Illustrate Pros listeners, it's Leanna, your podcast producer here. Happy Friday. We all made it. Give yourselves a pat on the back. We're bringing you a very special and slightly different episode this week in honor of National Podcast Day tomorrow. We're going to let loose a little bit, be more raw, a little bit more filtered for our super jam-packed conversation this week. And we're going to touch on some of the hottest topics in social media right now. And of course, Joma Me this week as our first ever guest co-host is former guest Gia Lee, co-founder at 98 LA. Gia, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be back and co-hosting as well. And of course, to bring you some of our best insights on some of the topics that Gia and I have prepared for this episode is Convincing Converts' very own Sunny Hunt and Jennifer Harmon. Ladies, please give yourselves a round of applause for being on the show for the first time, and welcome to Social Pros. Thanks. All right, so I don't want to waste any more time because I know the listeners are dying to hear what we have to say. So are you ladies ready? Gia, are you ready? Born ready. As we all know, like, let's be real, a lot of things are changing on social, and it seems like every single day there's, like, a new platform. There are so many bumps and roads that social media managers have to prepare themselves for, and marketers everywhere are trying to, like, keep up with things that are happening. And one of the biggest things that was implemented this summer was Thread. And it's actually kind of crazy because Thread's launched in early July, and it's already September. So can we just acknowledge how quickly um, time has flown by? And within the first week alone, I think there was like over 100 million users signing up for threads. And, um, you know, I did some research lately and apparently like usage on threads has dropped more than 80 percent for when it's first launch. You know, a lot of brands and celebrities are like no longer posting on there. And a lot of people are just questioning if threads as a replacement for Twitter was a legitimate thing. So. You know, Sunny, um, to have you start, do you think Threads is dead? Not quite. I honestly don't think that Threads is dead. So, and there, I think there are a couple of reasons for it. So the first is, if you expect a fully fledged social network right out of the gate, I think your expectations are a little misguided and not necessarily accurate. Uh, people were really curious when Threads launched and then a little bit disappointed when it didn't have all the features that Twitter did. And so maybe they pulled back on their engagement a little bit and just kind of waited to see what was going to happen because they saw like incredible daily usage, like right out of the gate. And there was a lot of early adoption because of that connection with Instagram and just kind of automatically bringing people over. And that was that was definitely kind of a winning acquisition plan for them right there. And there is a big appetite for a Twitter alternative right now. And so there's still a lot of interest. There's still some activity. Although if, like you mentioned, brands are kind of pulling back a little bit, but Threads has also made like some really amazing improvements over the last couple of weeks. So they launched a desktop version. Um, They're starting to roll out search for English speaking options. They're offering more detailed stats on their posts. And also I saw last week that they were integrating threads into the Instagram feed so that there's more opportunity for cross-engagement. But ultimately, I think the biggest thing that is going to make an impact for threads is when they implement API usage so that a lot of these social media management tools and measurement tools can bring in data 
Because ultimately, brands want to see how their posts are performing and how everything is performing and what their engagement level is looking like. And you can't really do that at an engagement level yet. And that's really what brands want right now. So there's room to grow for threads. And I think that there's still opportunity there. I don't think it's dead yet. Okay. So it's not dead, but it's on life support. I was just talking to a friend the other day. And I'm like, if it was a medical patient, they'd be in the ICU. And you're like, should we be calling hospice or are they going to make it? And I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but I mean, it's really, it's, it's hit or miss right now. I was so, so, so excited when it launched. I have always hated Twitter like with a passion. And so when it came out, I was like, yes, like it's still a way to have that social dialogue personally. It's another great way to have that more text driven um, engagement professionally. It felt like a really nice, fresh swap. And then I feel like the meta team dropped the ball. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. There was this huge launch, so much interest, fast, vast adoption. And then, I mean, I'm in marketing and I kind of forgot about it. I wrote a blog about it for convincing convert and I was like, oh, friends. So, you know, as as a consumer, you're not naturally going over and I don't even know if we're even saying like at this point either. They kind of just like launched it or like figuring out everybody. We'll see how this goes. I feel like when Reels launched, there was so much push for it. You could not go on Instagram or Facebook and not see these short form videos. I remember when they first came out, I'm like, oh my God, please stop interrupting my newsfeed. I don't, I don't care. But you couldn't miss it. And you kind of started to get curious and then started to get kind of into it. Um, and just like Funny said, just now in this last week, I just started to see those integrations. It was actually Sunny. I was scrolling my newsfeed and there's the little interruption that said, hey, Sunny Hunt just posted on threads. PetSmart just posted on threads. That forced feed reminder worked for reels and it may work for threads, but it just makes me wonder why it took them so long to do it. So my advice for brands would be like still measure, test, play around. It's still new. Like Sunny said, it's still early have fun, optimize, but don't overinvest your time in it. You mentioned that Threads is on life support. What do you think Meta is going to have to do to get them off life support and get people to use it? Is it going to be a Twitter replacement? Are they going to need to have their own kind of unique culture? What are your thoughts there? I'll go first and then I'll put it over to Sunny. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think those integrations are key right? There's a huge, huge news cycle. My husband's not on social and he even knew that Threads launched, um, just reading the news and then nothing. So I think there needs to be way more integrations, those forced feed reminders, not to be obnoxious, but just to say, hey, like Threads exists. And then I even think it would be smart to have some kind of influencer campaign or just a straight from meta to consumer campaign that says, here's how to use these features. Here's what we just launch. Here's how we see this being used by XYZ users, or they really just kind of need to go on a roadshow of telling people why they should care and then reminding them to actually go over there. I think that's really smart, Jennifer, having that roadshow. They really do need to have a boost of PR in order to get a lot of that vitality and initial energy back. And again, like you said, that reminder that Threads actually still exists. I think that in combination with 
more, they've been pretty transparent about what's coming next and the features that are coming up and what they're working on, but they need to be louder about what's going to be happening next. And again, I think that opening up their API so that brands can actually see what the value of their investment is, is going to be really key in order to drive brand investment. And ultimately, you know, advertising is coming to threads at some point. Like that's the only way that they can sustain that. And there's so much advertising in Instagram right now that it's just a natural transition to incorporate it into threads. I think once those two things happen, it's going to be, a, you'll see a big change in volume and engagement, specifically from brands, but then also from influencers who can also measure the impact of their campaigns and from others who are interested in building their own communities there. Once you're able to measure what your investment is, I think that you'll wind up seeing some more engagement. Definitely. And so let's compare them to their obvious competitor, X. And I want to get real, real here. Like, I want to know, what are your thoughts on Twitter's rebranding to X? Are you into it or are you over it and couldn't care less? Oh, my God. Okay. So I, it will be forever Twitter for me. I'm sorry. I am not on the X bandwagon. That brand transition, first of all, is petty. And it was poorly executed and had no forethought, no education. It was really kind of a, it is a case study in what not to do when you rebrand. They don't even own the domain. And they're fighting, they're going to be fighting trademark lawsuits for years. <laughs> um, that said, I am an OG Twitter user. My account was opened in October 20, 2007. And I literally went through a period of mourning when I deleted and nuked all of the content from my account because I wasn't on board with the direction that the platform was taking, the lack of content moderation, the increase in safety risk, the instability of the platform. I am sad, but I'm over it and I'm done with it. Like, without getting too political, it, it's not a real contender in the social sphere anymore. There no, there's no content moderation. The features are starting to fail. Advertisers have bailed. And the owner is allowing his questionable personal politics to guide the policies and direction of the company, which never winds up in a positive place. Yeah. I mean, like Sunny said, it is absolutely an illustration of what not to do when branding. I think X, you know, it's laughable at this point. I think it's like the marketing equivalent of an SNL sketch, right? It's kind of shocking and funny and that gone on like a little too long now. So now it's just kind of like sad and cringy. Um, and to be fair, I never liked Twitter. I actually hate Twitter. I've hated it for years. I've been very honest and upfront with brands and clients to disengage, um, especially now, right? I mean, it's just, again, the advertisers are gone. There's safety issues, moderation issues. The head of the company can't even get through the whole, you know, issue. But, I, you know, I advised my brands and my clients to use COVID as an off-ramp of Twitter. Um, and I'll say it again, like you can use the total botched craziness that has been X. Um, as an off-ramp for Twitter, if you haven't already. Really, 
all Twitter is, and I'm not even going to call it X. Like I just refuse to. It feels like it's like making it okay. And it's not okay. (laughs) But really all it's good for at this point is like reactionary customer service arm, contest sweeps and deals, and arguing and complaining. It's a train wreck that I don't even think any of us are like stopping to watch anymore because it's not even that interesting. So it gives a huge opportunity for threads to be that replacement if they can give people a reason to head over. But I am so not interested. See, I'm on the other side of the spectrum. Twitter was my favorite social network. It was a place where I built community, where I found people who were like-minded, who I made connections with across time, or sorry, across space. So I have friendships that I started and developed on Twitter that, like, for instance, this July, I finally met somebody who I've been Twitter friends with for like 10 years. And next month or later this month, I'm going to meet another friend who I initially met on Twitter for the first time in 10 years. So for me, it's really built a lot of friendships and a lot of community. It's provided a lot of value from a news standpoint and from an information standpoint, um, especially related to immediate events, both in um, local events as well as national events, weather events. It was a really critical information pipeline for us so many people. And it's just been crushed. And I'm just, I'm sad. And honestly, I was advising my clients to maintain on Twitter until the new ownership came on board and the company went private. I hear you. And I mean, it's so great that you're able to turn, you know, your Twitter relationships into like in real life friendships. I think my perspective coming at it is that I you know, all the props out there to community managers, right? I was actually managing brands on Twitter. I got a death threat. Um, a company I will not name, I probably shouldn't hear. Um, where like our building had to be evacuated. I got told just so many horrific things over like a $10 meal being messed up. So I think there were some good things and obviously value, especially with news um, when Twitter was in its heyday. But it just so quickly became a place of hatred and vitriol and like people just being like these horrible versions of themselves behind screens. And I think um, over the last few years with everything that's happened, politics, COVID, new ownership, all of the worst things about Twitter are all that's left, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm so glad, um, Jennifer, that you said that because as a social media manager, I feel like it's really rare that um, people are saying like what platforms to really hate. And personally and professionally, I never enjoyed the platform that much, um, mainly because you never knew what you're going to expect out of your content the next day. And especially now was like people have like almost no control, like almost no voice in what they had to say on Twitter. I'm also not going to call it X because when it first rebranded, I was like, what even is that? Um, and when the app icon itself changed on my phone, I was like, I never downloaded this app. What is this? And then I click on it and it's Twitter. But, you know, it's, I just hate how um, social is becoming such a dark place. And um, a lot of brands are finding it really hard to like not only figure out if they want to stay on it, but also like how do they reach their customers in like a space where, 
they're like exiting it for the most part. Um, but transitioning into more things that I used to hate is the rise of artificial intelligence and AI and like that whole aspect of it when it first was a huge thing. I'm going to be honest, I didn't love it because I thought that it would not only make people seem like there's like a one-off way to like do things, but I was scared for how like quickly it was evolving. And people don't realize it, but like you should be scared at how artificial intelligence is like progressing in such a short period of time. And I was at social media week in May and we had like a whole presentation about it. Like it's crazy how it can make you look like you're in Fiji when you're like laying in bed. So, you know, things like that is revolutionizing just content creation, social media and and like this day and age where like consuming content is like just growing so fast. It also means that like you have to supply even more content by the demand of people that want it every single day. And, you know, humans can only do so much and so quickly. So from your perspective, especially from like a strategy standpoint, like, you know, when you're consulting with brands who want to use AI, do you think that like AI for content creation is like killing like people's drive to create real things? And do you think it's like taking over that responsibility of people who are hired for that specific reason to be on social? That's a really interesting question. I, like you, uh, when ChatGPT was announced in November of 2022 and when it got really popular and people started playing with it, like in January of 2023, I rolled my eyes so hard because I thought it was the next bright, shiny object. And it was only about four months ago, five months ago, where I sat down and really looked at it and looked at kind of the ecosystem around it and took a, a better, more detailed, introspective look at it and realized that it's going to be the next big thing, that it is going to really reshape the way that any knowledge worker works and does their job in the next one to two years because it is growing so fast and it is becoming more sophisticated. And the tools, there are, what, 7,500 different SaaS-style AI tools that you could go out and buy or play with today. That's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, in late July, there were only 6,500. So everybody is kind of trying to capitalize on this AI wave. And yeah, there probably is some unfounded hype around it. Because at this point right now, AI is still a tool. It's a tool that you can use to help you think in a different way, help you brainstorm, help you ideate. It's great for doing things like outlines and content creation, rough content creation. And luckily, it's not a replacement for humans yet um, or anyone on your marketing team, at least today. That could change in two years. Who knows? But for right now, AI tools are really an asset as far as accelerating your, your capacity, expanding your capacity and accelerating the velocity of the projects that you're able to, to take on and to complete. But as far as content creation goes, it's really tricky because there are always going to be lazy people who try to find the cheapest, fastest shortcut to get to whatever end result is there and they don't care about quality. 
So no matter what you do and what tool you use, you're always going to find the people who are trying to pull a fast one. And AI is just another one of those tools that they're using in order to try to do that. AI isn't, it's, it's a helper, but it's, again, it's not a replacement for people and it's not a replacement for functions right now. So as a content creator, AI isn't going to take your job today, but it may help you create a script faster. It may help you identify different pieces of a blog post that you can pull out and atomize and use in different social channels. It can help you create graphics from a text prompt that you can use in order to kind of oomph up the content that you're already creating, especially if it's text. It can help you identify or process different data points, although you should be very careful about AI tools. You're not going to want to put any sensitive or proprietary information into any of the AI tools unless your legal or IT department has definitely confirmed that that AI tool that you're using is secure. Otherwise, that data that you enter is going to be used to train the model, and it could be repurposed in other ways. So you want to keep your proprietary information private. Don't enter it into something like ChatGPT or Jasper or um, Claude. Just, just, just don't do that. But one of the things that I've noticed about these AI tools, again, today, this could be changing next week, they don't get ton and voice right. There is not, even the tools that claim to be a good match and provide you with a unique tone and voice based on samples that you feed it are still not getting the tone and voice right. They're still not providing high level quality or high quality content. All this content still requires a lot of editing and it still requires a lot of massaging in order to even somewhat represent you and your brand adequately. It may be do better with short pieces of content, but longer pieces of text content is not, it's not there. And additionally, if you want to represent something that's been generated by an AI tool as your own and your proprietary information, you cannot add a copyright to it. It cannot be copyrighted. So there's a lot of stuff that's going into the AI discussion right now. But ultimately, like at this point in today and probably for the next, I don't know, maybe at least a year, it's not taking anybody's job 100%. It's just not. So I love AI. I was like geeking out about everything that came out, right? Uh, ChatGPT and then like the image generators and just reading all up on how it works and how it could work and how fast it was moving. So I... Don't know what that says about me, but I was not scared. I was just really excited. Um, today, I would say that I think it's an amazing tool. Um, and just like Sunny said, it's not a replacement. It's not a replacement for your team and the human beings that are your brand shepherds and ambassadors. But for me, especially like if they're like, oh, we can't use it because it's illegal. It's like, oh, why not? Right? Like, why wouldn't you... Use this tool that's going to help you do more faster with caveats, right? So um, I spend half my time as a strategist and half my time as a copywriter. On the strategy side, constantly we're asked by brand and marketing teams, how can they do more with less? Um, how can we get things out faster? How can we have more versioning, ABC tests, like hundreds of paid Ads um, and that intersection of like performance marketing and brand, AI helps 
take, you know, it takes a long time to go with like hundreds of versions of saying the same thing. Um, and then on the copywriting side, again, I've seen huge, huge efficiencies. Um, you know, I have a client that has six to seven iterations of every single communication. One of them this season was football. I'm not a big football fan. I totally hit a brick wall creatively after like version two. And before AI, I probably would have like skipped it, moved on, taken a lot longer, Googled, like called my dad. He used to be a football player, be like, I don't know, what are some phrases? Or I might have even like ran out of time and had some pretty repetitive copy. Now I can prompt, you know, chat GPT to come up with Come up with similar iterations of this copy, maintaining this style and tone. Um, but the two big caveats, strategically, creatively, resource-wise, is your, your output is only as good as your input. Um, I didn't really get the whole scare of people like being afraid that it was going to replace people's jobs and there's not a place for copywriters and no one's going to be creative anymore because the prompts are like half art, half science in and of themselves. Um, you still have to think and strategize and be creative and purposeful to even know what to ask for. And then on the flip side, you can like never, ever, ever just use the response as is. So I think people need to remember it's not an end product. It's not a copy and paste. Lean into it to speed up your work, soundproof your work, double check your work, but it is not your work. And that's, important, right? I, I mean, like Sunny said, like some people are just going to try to find the easy way out. But I I find that like there have been a couple of times where I've gotten an email or an SMS and I'm like, I think maybe someone did you really write And it's and it's like kind of off. Um, so I think it's an amazing tool and it's not a replacement. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And hopefully it won't get watered down with legal and hopefully that world will be taken over by robosity kind of soon. <laughs> I completely agree with that. I love what you both said, Sunny and Jennifer, just with AI being a tool and um, the output is only as good as the input. Like, I think that is exactly what it is, a tool. And, you know, as a Gen Zer myself, I think a lot of older generations have criticized us for being lazy and finding shortcuts. And I think AI is kind of a shortcut. And on the one hand, it can be viewed as, you know, lazy, like you're not really putting in all of your creative juices into it. But on the other hand, it's also efficient. And I think there is creativity to be found in using tools to make more and make them faster. Um, and I think, you know, just content creation with or without AI is the name of the game in brand marketing right now. Like everyone's on social, everyone's digital. My screen time averages like four and a half hours a day. And that's on the considerably low end for a Gen Zer. Um, yeah. So like if a brand isn't on Instagram or TikTok, what are you doing? And what we're seeing in our company, 98, is that anyone who doesn't work in social media kind of views social media work as a low skill level job or something that's easy to do because maybe they have a personal account and use social media themselves. I'm curious to know, like, is this something that you're seeing as well? Do you think social media positions are still undervalued? I think that social media positions, yes, are undervalued, but only by 
organizations and brands that don't really understand the value of it. Even 10 years ago, you could expect somebody who's working in social media to have expertise in multiple different platforms. But now there's such nuance in each one of these different channels. So you can't expect somebody who's really good at Instagram to be really good at LinkedIn because they're different disciplines. And lumping them together under the umbrella of just social media is short-sighted. There's a lot of creativity that's involved in creating content for social media platforms. Even if you're repurposing content that already exists, there's still a lot of mental horsepower and creativity that has to go into creating posts and content that is really engaging. There's a research aspect where you have to really understand what's going on with the audience and you have to keep track of different trends. So it's not just so plunking somebody down in a seat in front of a laptop and saying, go do social. That's really short-sighted. And if you can tap into the amazing creativity and power that in, that's embedded in a lot of these different channels and the specialization, you can really do amazing things. You can build community. You can build a really strong community. You can further your brand goals. You can further your business goals. It just depends on what type of investment you're willing to make. And honestly, up until this point, there are a few companies that do specific channels really, really well. The first one that comes to mind is a lot of these fast food restaurants on what was Twitter or is now Threads. So for instance, Wendy's with the snappy comebacks immediately and being on trend and producing content that really kind of resonates, but it's funny and humorous and biting all at the same time. You can't get that from just anybody that you clock off the street or from a stack of resumes. That's something that you have to go out and cultivate and grow over time. And just like there are differences in a core sales skill set from somebody who's really specialized in search engine optimization versus paid search, Every channel in social is different and it should be respected. And honestly, I think that social media managers are overall undervalued. Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is look at job boards and see how undervalued social media positions are for um, a huge amount of companies. Low pay, junior roles doing what the job description is senior. A huge pet peeve of mine is seeing positions that have one person doing like four or five roles in one, right? Like you want a social media manager, strategist, paid expert, but you're also going to do the influencer program and make the short form videos. So unfortunately, I do think social media positions are still undervalued. I think a lot of that comes from just not understanding how much goes into it. But I also think we've come a long way. I'm showing my age a bit, but I've been in social media since it literally existed. Facebook came out my senior year of college. One of my very first big girl like agency jobs had me putting up like the first ever Facebook page for Coca-Cola. Like I've seen a lot, right? Like social media was new and scary. And then all of a sudden everybody needed social media managers and we were seen as these like digital pioneers or like these heroes that would help everyone figure out this like new landscape. And then it became kind of repetitive and almost a given, right? Like there's that turning point when everybody's mom and grandma is on Facebook and middle schoolers are making amazing YouTube vlogs and TikToks. And then 
that kind of adds up to mistakenly thinking that anyone can do it and anyone can do it well and quickly and easily. And then all of a sudden you have these big brands posting the social media positions for interns. And I don't mean that in an ageist way of just, but like you have to have the appropriate amount of expertise and skills and leadership to then have more junior roles or interns helping. It can't just be everything. And I think um, I'm hopeful that this will continue to improve. I always tell executives, like, who are you going to call if I want to say shit hits the fan? Leanna, <laughs> who are you going to call over the weekend or on a holiday when shit hits the fan on Twitter? And have, have you valued that position enough that the person answers the phone or knows what to do or knows when not to engage, right? So think about those crisis days when you're thinking about how much you're going to pay someone or how much you're going to staff up the team. Um, but I do think we're hopefully finally out of the days where, you know, older C-suite executives are unironically asking for viral videos. Like, hey, can you make me a viral video tomorrow? Or, uh, hey, can you post this PDF to the socials? So hopefully we'll continue to chip away at that credibility factor and the need for strategic leaders in social. And if you are watching this and you're still asking for viral videos, stop it. Stop it right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, be real. If you guys like saw my face right now, um, social post listeners, like <laughs> I'm guys would die laughing because I don't know if people really understand. Um, let me backtrack a little bit. So when people ask me like, Leanna, what do you do for work? And I'm like, oh, I'm a social media manager. I do X, Y, Z, things like that. And they think it's easy. Like that's one of the biggest things I really um, try to advocate against when people like think about social media roles. It's not easy. It's not easy on your mental health. It's not easy on your eyes. Like I, Gia, I'm so jealous that you average only four hours a day because I think my average, like the peak was like 15 hours once. And I'm like, I don't even know if I was even awake 15 hours a day. So it's like people need to understand that like when you're in social, not only are you doing it for work, but like as social like keeps progressing, you're also on it outside of work. Like we're naturally on it all the time. And um, it takes a toll on your mental health every now and then. And being so consumed by the media, being like one of the first people to see it for your brand, like any like crisis communications, you're the one that reports it to, you know, the HR department or to your higher ups. Like, hey, you guys need to check this out. Like there's like backlash happening. Um, like I said it before is like, Social media managers are like the first wall between you and like the business. And people need to understand that like it's not just a walk in the park where you make a symbol graphic and go post it. It's not there's research behind it. There's so many um brands I'm still seeing that are requiring people to have like 15 plus consecutive years of experience in social. And I'm like, first of all, threads just released. I saw something like that the other day where someone wanted someone to have TikTok and Threads experience for like 10 plus years. And I'm like, 10 plus years ago, I think I was still in middle school. So it's like, it's making it so difficult for people who are entering like the field to not only be interested in social media, but also like figuring out where like where they stand in like the, the brands that they're working at too. Come to convert, like 
we wrote a blog about this the other day, um, and it's actually really, really related to what we're talking about right now. Like, you know, where social media should sit in an organization and how, like, brands can, you know, approach that. And, like, Gia, you come from an agency. Like, where does social sit for you? Um, like, what do you think about this? A lot of clients just want to go viral. And I do think that is super short-sighted. Like, yeah, reach is great and it's great to go viral. Um, that doesn't happen in a second. And they're expecting that, you know, when you hire an agency, you're going to go viral right away. But social media doesn't work that way. You have to train the algorithm. You have to put in the work. You have to be consistent. You have to really just, you know, understand the audience, understand the platform, be strong in your brand POV and I think a lot, but a lot of the times, the the misstep between clients and social media managers is how you define success, and you know maybe they're just looking at follower count or just looking at reach or the number of impressions you're getting, and you just need to reach like a hundred thousand views. And I think for us, we very much value socials as a tool for engagement much more. You know, building communities, building one-on-one relationships with with people and with your audience. And, you know, if that's your measure of success and you're not just looking for, you know, a high follower count or X number of videos to go viral, you're going to be tuned more into social listening. Like, what are people actually saying to you? How are they responding to your comments and your content? Um, what's the sentiment there? And I think it's it's just much more valuable to use socials in a deeper relationship building way than like just getting a ton of amount of views without much depth into it. Yeah, totally agree. And like with social being more demanding, I think now more than ever in the past two to three years alone, a lot of people are looking for people who are experts in social media. And we have like at this like at this macro level, we can see teams of like a hundred plus people doing like social media for a brand, or we have like you know micro teams where one one to three people are dedicated to social media. So like first and foremost, if you're having that many people dedicated to your social accounts, then it's important. And um, you know, there's even brands out there that are looking to hire their first ever like social media manager. So um. You know, where should social sit like at an organization from not even just a macro level, but also a micro level? I tend to advise clients generally that social should sit close to marketing or within marketing itself. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Number one, they're closer to the overall content calendar. So they have a better understanding of what's going on, what's being planned, what campaigns are coming up at an organizational level so that they can plan better and they can utilize their time better. They are also closer to creative teams and creative resources so that they can tap into either creative assets that are being generated to ensure that social isn't forgotten or isn't left out of the mix, or they have the assets available in order to cre- create original content or original creative content for social. There's an exception if there are really strong verticals that don't have a lot of crossover So for instance, if there's a company that has a B2B vertical versus a B2C vertical, 
And the reason why there may be bifurcation there or the social media team is because the messages and the audiences tend to be so different from from one another that it's hard to keep tabs on which audience needs what message and what type of support. So that I think is one of the, the primary exceptions. Another maybe exception would be if you are a PR heavy organization and are really fast moving and turning over news and updates on a really frequent basis, then it may, may be smarter to ho- house the social media team closer to a PR organization or the PR organization within the larger umbrella of a company. There's, I mean, the different content types like distribution and atomization of existing content is really critical for social in order to kind of feed and establish a calendar and maintain engagement and really provide social um, ROI or to be able to prove out social ROI. So ultimately, that's one of the reasons why I recommend that social usually sit closer to the marketing organization or within the marketing organization. I don't think it really matters. I don't think it really matters where you put social, right? I've done millions of org charts, it feels like, on the agency side, on the in-house side. Um, you can argue that social makes sense on marketing, on the brand team, on the content team, on communications, on PR as their own thing. I think the most important thing is how is your organization from the top down going to make sure that the social team can succeed? So that means clearing the way of roadblocks. That means ensuring that there are processes and support for collaboration that make sure that, you know, social has a seat at the table early and often. I don't really care what box they sit in. What I really care about is that the social team is really unique. They touch everything in an organization. And like someone mentioned a few minutes ago, they're the first line of defense for the UX and the tone and the voice. So you know, organizations really need to figure out how are they best going to leverage social, work with social, and clear the way for social to succeed. I It blows my mind that there's still so many teams and organizations that come to the social team at the very last minute and say, hey, here's our new campaign, post it tomorrow, right? Social is nuanced. There's so many different platforms. They're all really different. There's all different purposes and best practices, aspect ratios, right? Um, Character counts. Like you don't come to a social team with a brand new campaign and say, hey, post this. It still happens, right? Instead, you should be inviting your social team early and often, have those experts have a seat at the table and translate, okay, that's what you're doing with this new campaign. Here's what's going to work best and resonate best with our key audiences across these platforms that we know best and we're in there all day, every day. So. I guess I'm pretty passionate about it. (laughs) Regardless of where social sits, it's more about integrating social into every team and every facet of your organization, setting up the right infrastructure and processes to succeed on social, just like you would on traditional. And also, you know, keeping in mind, social absolutely has to operate differently. Um, I was at an organization where the social digital team got swept into the in-house agency. And all of a sudden, we were expected to go through like, six, seven week review and approval processes and like full blown legal reviews for every single post, posting three, four, five, five times a day. That's not going to work, right? Like you got to set up some guardrails and some do's and don'ts and some things that, you know, trust your team. Say, hey, this is what we're never going to be okay with. Here's what we're kind of okay with. 
here's what we do need to see. Here's what we don't need to see. And just let the team do what they do best. So wherever they sit, that's what's the most important, I think, to me. It's crazy to me how like social media is the first place you go when you want to find something new, when you want to hear something new that's just happening. Yeah, social media managers and those in this position are the last to like find out what they need to do for their brands. Um, so I highly advise that if you're having like a new meeting regarding your next campaign, how about you add your social media managers to those? Because they also have like deadlines to meet. They have to like plan out content for sometimes months, weeks in advance. Like we have, we had like um, brands from the beauty industry. They plan years in advance. And it will be crazy to find out that hypothetically, don't call me out here, Fenty, but like hypothetically, like if the social media manager for Fenty is finding out that a new product is being released tomorrow and they have five hours to draft up a new content, that's, that's insane. They, I think it's time that we stop leaving like social media roles like to the last minute because they too have deadlines to meet. They have things to plan out. And if you're in a position where you have to approve things to go out first, they need time for that. And you can't expect them to work past like Barbara hours to meet what you want to do. Um, but it's been a crazy conversation. Um, Gia, how are you feeling right now? So many wheels turning. I just want to shout out all the social media managers out there as one myself who works in social media. Y'all are the unsung heroes in the marketing world. I see you. We see you. Yeah, there's just a lot that goes into it. And my heart goes out to all of you. I do think we are kind of in a transitionary phase where, you know, transparency is huge on social media and a lot of social social media managers are speaking up and speaking out about, you know, just what they care about and how their jobs have been and um, what brands should look for and how companies should treat social media managers. So hopefully things will look up. And yeah, I'm very excited to see where social media platforms go from threads to Twitter, um, to reels and TikTok and shorts, and how we kind of evolve and use AI to do better. So I agree with you. But I also want to do a little PSA for all of our social media managers and everyone that's working so hard out there. I had such a great mentor at Disney Parks and I learned early on that you have to like show people the so what, right? So it's so easy to be like, oh, you don't understand this took me forever. And like, oh, you don't understand this is actually amazing engagement or oh, like you don't understand, right? They don't understand. Like they literally don't. So you have to show the so what numbers, data visuals, recaps. Um, and I'm not talking about measurement reports that are like 40 pages long. I'm talking about you see your boss's boss in the elevator. You're like, hey, did you know that the post that we did yesterday was actually four times higher our average click than the last quarter, right? You just have to have those nuggets and translate. What does that mean? Why should I care? What should I understand? And it's not just likes. And it's not just a uh, number of engagement, right? Gia, you said like sentiment matters, right? I was at a company once that like, wow, look how great this post is doing. It's like 
it's the highest impressions and engagements we've ever had. I'm like, the comments are hateful. They hate it. Like it's, it's popular because people hate what you're saying. Right. Um, so paint that picture, tell the story, show people that don't understand how hard you're working and why they should care. And ultimately what you're doing to drive the business board, because if there's not ROI, then it could be like the coolest content in the world and it might not matter. Um, so speak up and, and translate all the amazing stuff that you're doing in a way that the people at the top will understand. You heard it here first, everybody. Start prioritizing some of the social media managers on your team. Use AI with a light hand. It does not replace human connection. Whether or not you decide to place social in your marketing department or no department at all, at least consider where they're going to be at for your organization and how they can best work for you. And, um, you know, before we wrap up here, I really want, like, all of you to stay connected to Gia, Sunny, and Jennifer. So um, can you guys just let the audience know where we can stay connected with you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I spend most of my time on social these days. And I would love to have a new connection. Just tell me that you heard me on Social Pros. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Jennifer Harmon, or you can find me on the convinceandconvert.com website. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, stay in contact. LinkedIn works for me as well, GLE. Um, connect with me on there, uh, follow 98. A lot of my stuff is on there as well. There you have it, folks. And also, if you love this episode, I would love to know what you thought of it. Uh, let me know what topics you want to hear for our next episode like this. And make sure you follow us everywhere on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, everything Social Pros Podcast and Convince and Convert. So with that, thanks so much for joining us today, everybody. And be sure to tune in next week for a very amazing guest. Thank you.